Hey guys, what is up? So uh, if you've been following along, you probably know that I've got very interested in commodities as an asset class. So what's been going on is that commodities have actually caught my interest since I read Jim Rogers' book, Hot Commodities. I even had him on the podcast. It's the last episode. We'll check that out. Um, so what I wanted to do is I wanted to share what I've learned so far about commodities. I'm still learning. I'm not a pro at it. I have made a couple of commodity trades and I've made quite a, I made a bit of money, um, a pretty significant bit of money to be honest. Um, so, so yeah, so today I'm going to be giving a short discussion on how exactly commodities work and I hope you enjoy the show. So commodities are like any other, it's like, like you can visualize it as a thing, like a book or like a lamp or something, it all depends on supply and demand. Just like anything else, just like stocks, bonds, um, lamps, books, cupboards, beds, etc. Everything depends on supply and demand. And commodities are no different. Commodities also uh, depend on supply and demand. Commodities, commodity prices are uh, impacted simply by supply and demand. And so there's a lot of factors that go into the supply and demand. So number one is the macroeconomic factor. So looking at the countries that produce whatever uh, whatever it could whatever it may be, like oil, for example. For example, Saudi Arabia produces a lot of oil. And um, so Saudi Arabia, if it produces a lot of oil compared to what the world is going to consume for that year, then that would mean. Uh, uh, that would mean that oil prices are going to go down. But similarly, if Saudi Arabia, which is one of the, uh, I'm talking about Saudi Arabia primarily because it's one of the largest oil producers in the world, second uh, only to the United States. Uh, if Saudi Arabia decides to reduce the amount of oil, produces very little oil that year, oil prices are going to go up. And the OPEC, the oil producing economic uh, oil producing and exporting country, uh, countries I believe sorry the organization of petroleum exporting countries I'm sorry um, so they are like a cartel so they have a bunch of countries that's part of them and they control they basically control the global supply of oil and they basically play a huge role in whatever uh, and how much oil how high or low oil prices are. And oil is one of the many commodities that's traded. So uh, commodities are traded on exchanges just like just like stocks are traded on the New York Stock Exchange or in the Frankfurt or the Deutsche Bourse in Frankfurt or in the London Stock Exchange, etc. Similarly, commodities are also traded on exchanges. One of them is NYMEX, the New York Mercantile Exchange. The other one is uh, the Chicago Mercantile Exchange as well as the CME Group. Uh, it's publicly listed, so you can actually buy shares in the CME Group. And what I wanted to get to in this podcast was that the primary driver of commodity prices is China. China has been experiencing a huge amount of growth. And China has actually been able to drive up the prices of many, many commodities and it's something because China is growing really, really fast. So they need, uh, uh, so they're, 
pushing up the demand for a lot of these raw materials like copper, like oil, like gold, uh, like for basically every uh, for basically a lot of raw materials. For example, China has China has grown at about twelve percent a year uh, by some estimates, and some estimates say it's about seven percent a year. Whatever it may be, it has driven commodity prices up. And, and China is not the only global player. The other one is India as well. So India has been growing really, really fast. Uh, after Narendra Modi came in five years ago, approximately, and Narendra Modi has been contributing to India's really, really rapid growth. And yeah, so that's the first part of one I wanted to discuss. Secondly, you can make a killing in commodities if you're able to predict very few macro events or if you invest after certain macro events. And it could be, and it does not necessarily have to be a macro event. For example, uh, if you could predict that there was going to be a revolution in Chile, uh, the country to the west of Argentina and South America, you can make a killing by going long on on copper because Chile is a huge producer of copper when there's a revolution the production of copper is going to go down and Chile is a key producer of copper for example and similarly similarly there are many other events for example hurricanes in Florida recently there was hurricane Dorian in Florida so what happened was they for what happened was natural uh, natural gas prices shot up 25% because of Hurricane Dorian. Hurricane Dorian, uh, because a lot of natural gas refineries and a lot of petrol passes through pipelines in Florida. So Hurricane Dorian is going to disrupt that. When you know, when Hurricane Dorian disrupts that, then the supply of natural gas is going to go down. When the supply of natural gas goes down and demand is going to stay the same, then the prices go up. Similarly, if it's been a really, really down year for natural gas, like this year has been, this is not financial advice. Um, what can happen is in winter, the farmer's almanac, which is a key, which is like, uh, well, let's just leave it at, at the farmer's almanac. Uh, the farmer's almanac has predicted that it's going to be a really, really cold winter. 59% of American homes heat their homes with natural gas. And I bet that percentage is higher in places like Canada because we're going to we're going to get even colder. So natural gas prices are going to go higher. Demand will increase during um, demand will for sure increase during times like winter because people will start feeling cold. They'll buy natural and they'll buy natural gas products, or they might buy natural gas itself and eventually natural gas prices will go up. The third way you can profit from this is arbitrage. Arbitrage is basically everywhere, and this is arbitrage as well. So there's cash and carry arbitrage. So cash and carry arbitrage happens when you try to buy spot and short futures, or you buy the futures and you short spot. So when I'm talking about spot, so there are two ways you can speculate on commodities. Number one is spot. So spot is instant delivery of a specific uh, raw material, a specific commodity. It could be rice, it could be, it could be wheat, it could be anything. And futures are also, futures are also 
a way to speculate on commodities. So what you can do is you can buy futures for January. If you buy February 2020 natural gas futures, what you can do is you're betting that by January 2020, prices of natural gas would have gone up. So that's one way to speculate. The other is spot. So spot means you actually have to store it. But the other way is you can obviously trade contracts for differences. You can trade options on futures. There's a bunch of different ways you can do it. So, uh, so what you can do is if the price of spot is higher than a near-term future contract, let's say the price of spot is $1.10 and the, pri- and the price of a future that's expiring uh, or the price of the, of the October futures. So the October futures expire at the end of September. So that is at $1. So the spot is at $1.10 and the futures is at $1. So you can buy the future and you can sell spot. And then in the middle, you've, uh, you've locked a 10 cent gain or a 10% gain. So that is one way. Uh, so that is cash and carry arbitrage. So that is one way. The other way is if spot is at $1 and futures is at $1.10, then you can short the futures and go long on spot. And if you buy the options on spot and you sell option and you sell the futures, you just have to be able to gain exposure to that. And you will still be able to lock in that 10% gain. Now, what I wanted to, uh, and the only reason that gain happens is because the PR, the, uh, the spot prices and the future prices will converge when the future expires. So if the future expires on September 27, uh, 2019, and uh, it will be at the same price as spot. Now, there's a lot of gambling that takes place in commodities and it's led a lot of hedge funds to go bankrupt. One of the famous ones is Amaranth Advisors. Amaranth Advisors had about $9 billion in assets, and this guy named Brian Hunter came along from Calgary in Canada. He bet, he bet wrong on natural gas prices, and they had to take a $6.6 billion loss, and he was subject to a $30 million fine. And Brian Hunter tried to open another hedge fund. He failed. Because of his trading history, he was reckless. But then there was the guy on the opposite side of the trade, Centaurus Advisors. There was John Arnold from Centaurus Advisors who made the exact opposite bet of Brian Hunter. Brian Hunter was the guy at Amaranth who led to its collapse. So this guy, he decided that he would bet the complete opposite. And he became a billionaire. He closed his fund, gave away all the money. He's now worth $3.3 billion dollars. But poor Brian Hunter, he's probably still a millionaire, but I don't know. He's not a billionaire, that's for sure. Moving on, there's a lot of uses for commodities. Number one, commodities are commodities are used as a hedge, especially gold. If you're expecting a recession, you should usually go long on gold. Gold is usually the number one hedge that's used when recessions are approaching. The second thing Just is, to confirm, you'd like to call Don't Hatch. Wow, I don't know what that was. Okay. Anyway, let's keep moving. Anyway, let's keep moving. So as I was saying, um, as I was saying, uh, gold is the number one hedge against inflation because when inflation goes up, gold prices go up. 
people buy gold when they hear of inflation, so gold prices go higher. Um, so gold is one of the biggest hedges against inflation and recessions because in recessions, dollar goes down, gold goes up. Moving uh, And similarly, commodities can be used to diversify your portfolio as long as you know what you're doing. So if you own a lot of st- if you own stocks, bonds, you can also own commodities because commodities move because when stocks go down, commodities, especially gold, usually go up. Now, the now so that's why and commodity futures are used by stuff like airlines to hedge oil prices. For example, if they believe that oil prices are going to go up, they buy oil futures and they ensure that they're able. Uh, they're able to get delivery of oil at cheaper prices because jet fuel prices will go up. Similarly, their futures will also go up. And if oil prices, if jet fuel prices go, if oil prices go down, sure they take a loss on the futures positions, but their aircraft still gets cheaper oil. So it's usually used as a hedge. But a lot of people obviously use it to speculate, and they make a lot of money off of it. They also lose a lot of money off of it. And to end the interview, and to end. Uh, the podcast, there are two important terms that I wanted to discuss. So number one was contango and the other is backwardation. So contango means that the the price of a future contract is higher than the price of spot. So spot is like what it's worth today. Futures is better what it's worth in the future. Similarly, backwardation means the price of a futures contract is worth less than what the spot is with today. With that, I wanted to end the episode. Thank you all so much for listening. There was some interruption in the middle. I don't know what that was. But thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time.